What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart, and man, do we have a big show for you guys today. You want to talk about chaotic off-seasons? That is what we've had in the NFL and Major League Baseball. Just massive trades in the NFL, including a major trade done today as we record this podcast on a Wednesday. So we're going to get to all the major moves happening with Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan. You're talking about some of the biggest names in the NFL changing teams. We'll give you guys all the updates and all of our analysis on those moves. Baseball, very similar story. I was just telling Kendall, you know, off air before we started, you're talking about major names and major sports kind of combining at the same time because of the lockout kind of moving the MLB's hot stove or kind of cutting it in half, essentially. We had a little bit before the lockout, and now we have spring training going on, but still major deals happening as teams are still trying to sort out their roster with uh, opening day just weeks away. Carlos Correa going to Minnesota. Trevor Story going to Boston. Freddie Freeman, after just eliminating the Dodgers and a long time being a longtime Atlanta Brave, now goes to play for his hometown team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Just crazy stuff going on in both of those sports so we'll we'll get to all of that at some point in the, in the podcast i know we don't want you know march madness happening we don't want to uh you know step on any stuff that may happen in the next few days but eventually i'll try to maybe get kendall to talk about how his bracket is doing i know mine ain't doing so hot so we'll, we'll we'll talk about all that in a little bit um but before we get to all that kendall uh, who does join me on this podcast it's a big day in new york city it's a big day in the NBA landscape, and it's a big day in the MLB landscape if you've really been paying attention because, at the very least for Nets fans, your citywide nightmare is over. That's because, according to Politico, it is expected that New York Mayor Eric Adams will amend the city mandate for performers and athletes at local venues. So that means Nets star Kyrie Irving, who has been barred from playing in home games this season, will be suiting up. For the Brooklyn Nets at Barclays the rest of the way this season, that announcement is expected to be made on Thursday. It also means that unvaccinated players for the Mets and Yankees who were poised to miss home games this season. A lot of people may not have known that, but because of the vaccine mandate that is currently in place, Mets unvaccinated players, Yankees unvaccinated players, were not going to be able to play at City Field and Yankee Stadium until things had changed. Now this mandate has come under scrutiny for several reasons, one being that unvaccinated players from opposing teams were still allowed to play in NYC because of a, in my opinion, a bizarre loophole that allowed for traveling entertainers to be exempt. And two, some argue that other forms of immunity, like already catching COVID, should have been considered because you have these players who did get vaccinated, but maybe got vaccinated early in the pandemic uh, and did not get their booster. Those players, in theory, could also be uh, at risk as well. So there are some people that thought that this, a lot of people who thought that there was this was a bogus rule because of those things. My feelings on the matter are rather simple. I had no problem with Kyrie Irving being barred from home games because at the end of the day, this was a city that elects its officials to carry out the will of the people. And for a city that lost 40,000 people to this virus, I understand the push to lead the country in limiting the spread as much as possible of coronavirus and keeping mechanisms in place to try to protect as many lives as possible. I think, as I've said from the beginning, there was a terrible lapse in judgment and application to the private sector rule 
that allowed for others outside of the city to come here unvaccinated. But sadly, it was done as a way to boost NYC's fledging entertainment scene, which had been just uh, non-existent, really, during the shutdown. And they had lost a ton of money. The city had lost a ton of money. So, you know, allowing these traveling entertainers to come into the city and, and play at our venues, that made sense to them because they looked at the bottom line at the end of the day. And really, that's all it comes down to. That's always what it comes down to. It always comes down to money. And the city was forced in a pickle, when, especially when Omicron ran rampant against vaccinated and unvaccinated people in New York. And as restrictions began being lifted, Kyrie being sidelined while still sitting courtside in net games just was a terrible optic situation. So the change had to be made for the sake of consistency. But I don't agree at all with the precedent that's being set. Working class, private sector and public sector workers in New York City have lost their jobs because the city's politicians wanted to stand on their stand their ground on a cause that I believe to be noble. But like most things, greed, influence, incompetence, and in this case, the sports calendar led to exemptions being made for some of the city's most affluent and well-paid residents, that being sports athletes. Because the 30 or 40 or 50 Nets fans complaining about Kyrie not being able to play is one thing. There's not going to be a lot of pressure from them on New York City politicians because the Nets are much lower on the totem pole. But it's a whole nother story when you're talking about a city of baseball fans. Baseball fans, when you look at the demographic, likely a lot older, likely a lot richer, likely a lot whiter. Having something to say about the city not allowing Aaron Judge to stand up in the batter's box on opening day. And the fact that those factors come into play as to why this is happening today, I think that's corny. I think that sucks, but that's just me. I don't expect everybody to agree with me on that take or agree with me on how they see things. That's how I saw this whole situation. So, Kendall, I sent to you to say, look, congrats to the Nets. There are now no longer any excuses. You've got your full team. James Harden is somewhere partying with Lil Baby in an entirely different city. So he's not on your hands anymore. Kyrie can play in home games. Kevin Durant is healthy. Anything less than a championship for me, Kendall? is a complete, utter failure for this Kyrie, KD, Brooklyn Nets experiment in my eyes. Because I feel like we talk about scary hours. I just feel like it's been excuses hours in Brooklyn since these guys have got there. So now that everything's been lifted, all the... I know you look on social media, Kendall, you would think that the Nets are somehow being persecuted and <laughs> people are out to get them and there's some crazy conspiracy. People trying to say Eric Adams was a Knicks fan. I don't want to hear any more of that. There's none of that anymore. All of the excuses are to the side. Go win a championship. And if you don't win a championship, I don't want to hear anything. That's my take on it, Kendall. Happy to have you on the podcast as always. What's up, dude? And how are you feeling today about this particular situation with the mandate being lifted in New York? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, it is interesting. Um... The timing of it definitely screams that uh, Eric Adams wasn't willing to do this for for the for the Yankees. And, and no, that. he was not going to uh, do that. You that know, was very obvious, and it's very obvious why he wasn't going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that that was that was probably uh, a, a smart move for him politically. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's 
for you know obviously the Nets are are, are beneficiaries of this. Of course, like you said, uh, look as, as, overall as a basketball fan, you know I'm glad that Kyrie will be able to play uh, in games. Uh, I'm glad that you know we won't have this asterisk um, you know looming above uh, this season. Um, as a Celtics fan, I would have rather that thing not been not been changed. Um, but you know, I think when it comes down to the Nets, I think now the biggest factor that that will be weighed is what what is going to be the, the availability of Ben Simmons. You know, um, it sounds like you know they expect to get him back at some point, but um, you know that though you know when it comes to the health of of, of players uh, that haven't played all season, uh, that you know you don't really know when the light is at the end of the tunnel, where the light is at the end of the tunnel. So that's going to be the big factor in terms of their overall, uh, you know, da- their overall dangerousness in in the Eastern Conference. But the East is tough. They'll be tough. But if it's just Kyrie and Durant, they can beat anybody, but they can be beat as well. They're not unstoppable. So and we really don't know what that tandem looks like when you include Ben Simmons into it. So uh, it, it's interesting. And then when, when, again, when, when it comes to baseball, um, huge side relief for the Yankees and Mets. Um, you were talking about a guy like Aaron Judge potentially missing 90 plus games when you include the the games that are going to be played in Toronto. Couldn't allow, uh, that, couldn't, couldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, I mean that 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 would that's brutal. And you, yeah, you you do you want to know what that? Do you want to know that would have looked like if them baseball fans in the city didn't have Aaron Judge for opening day? Yeah, that, it would have been, like, been rough. Like, and I know people say, wait, isn't basketball more popular than, than baseball? It there's dynamics in New York City that I can't that. It will take me forever to explain as to why that and the dynamics of the schedule that like cannot happen. You're playing a three game series without without you know one of your major bats in the lineup. That that that's hard to navigate. Baseball is a very numbers driven, analytics driven sport. It's hard to justify having a player. You know, and paying him X amount of money. Obviously, Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent this season. It's hard to justify paying that guy an exorbitant, an exorbitant amount of money, knowing he can only play half the games. You know, I mean, he'd have to be Barry Bonds to be able to justify that. And so, um, well, like you said, there are similarities in basketball. Man, it, it that would have been hard to that would have been a hard sell. That would have been a very hard sell. And quickly on the Nets bit, while. You were right, and you were fair to bring up the fact that you know Ben Simmons is kind of now the last remaining factor for the Nets this season. I don't want to hear any excuses about Ben Simmons if the Nets don't get this done this season, because all I've been hearing for the past month was that all their problems was for James Harden was 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 because of James Harden was because he was lazy because he was a loser. Because he always wanted to be out at the club. And that anybody, anybody, anybody but James Harden would be a plus for the Brooklyn Nets. And that included Ben Simmons, who his number one trait this season is, guess what? Not playing in basketball games. So he's just doing what he's been doing for this entire year. So while you are correct, and I know you weren't making any excuses for them, I just want to get out ahead of it and say... Ben Simmons not getting on the court this year is not a valid excuse for the Nets not getting it done. 
Because all I heard was that James Harden was this whole problem and just getting him out of the city was going to be a plus in and of itself. So be happy with Seth Curry. He needs to get healthy for sure. I know he's been banged up. Be happy with Andre Drummond. He's actually played okay for y'all. But I don't want to hear about, oh, if Ben Simmons hurt, oh, man, we didn't have Ben Simmons in postseason. No, 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 no. That is not how this is going to work. Ben Simmons just doing what he's been doing all year, sitting on his behind. So I don't want to hear about if you don't have Ben Simmons or if you do, that's a, a difference in terms of whether or not the expectations should be a certain way. You got Kyrie and KD, the expectations were a championship. That's where it remains. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I told you it was going to be spicy, Kendall. I told you this podcast, I told you before that, I told you this was going to be a spicy episode, and I'm already spicy. And I didn't even know this was going to be a segment. We had a whole we had a whole different cold open lined up because I thought we were going to talk about the brackets and, and how bad I'm doing, at least. Um, uh, but but then this Kyrie thing happened, and you know I felt strongly about the uh, just the overall outlook on the mandate situation. I think it's very complicated. I think it's very nuanced. There are a lot of people just jumping out saying, oh, this thing is just stupid. It's like, well, the application is very stupid. No one can, I don't think anyone can deny that. The fact that you don't want unvaccinated people around other people and putting them at risk, that's not stupid to me. That is a noble cause. The application, which means that Kyrie can sit courtside and practice at the facility, that stuff doesn't make any sense, and that's where you—that's where you lost me, and you lost a lot of other people. But again, I just—I just—I've just seen this. Uh, the, the Nets. I know. I don't know how much y'all watch wrestling, but like the Nets have like the Nets and Nets fans have walked around this whole season like Sami Zayn in WWE. Everything is a conspiracy. Anything <laughs> that doesn't go their way is somehow a conspiracy against their organization when no one gives a damn about their organization. No one, you think, like, like, you think anybody's sitting around saying, yo, how are we going to screw the Nets today? Like, nobody cares about them like that. So, this is a good day for Nets fans. I sound like a Salty Knicks fan today, but I'm sorry. Yeah. I just watch, I just watch, <laughs> I just watch my coach, Tom Thibodeau, put Todd Gibson on an island against Trey Young because he wanted to have a, a power forward that was good at switching on defense. And he thought Todd Gibson, not Obi Toppin, his reigning slam dunk champion and supreme athlete, he thought that Todd Gibson was the best option for him. So maybe I'm in a bit of a bad mood. I promise I'll be in a much better new When you said the uh, mayor of New York, I thought you going to say Trey Young. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go with that nonsense. Look, can I say something real quick? I know, and I, I promise, I know you got we can't be on here forever, but... I felt like the broadcast of the TNT game last night in terms of Trey Young going to MSG, I thought it was a bit much. That's me. Now, I don't know how you're a great person to ask because you're not a Knicks fan, but the Trey Young came to the Garden last year. He had a game winner in game one. He had a great series against the Knicks. Uh... It was a five-game series. It was short, and it was over, and they had two other series in which that were even more epic to me than this Knicks series that happened. And this season, the Knicks are terrible. They're headed straight to the lottery. And the Hawks have been terrible. They've been a terrible team. They are they yeah, might not make the that. they might not make the playoffs. Like for a team that finished in the conference in the conference championship, 
for a team that finishes the conference championship that now may not make the playoffs, I just can't listen to our broadcasts all about Trey Young and Nick fans. I thought that looked very tone deaf to me. It, to me, or to me, it tells me that like they really don't care about whether or not the Hawks can win or lose. Like, like it, it became all about just Trey Young and him as an individual. But I'm like, I thought this season was supposed to be about growth for. From, I mean, from the outside, the when I saw the matchup. I, that's that's what I jumped to. I'm not you saying know? that it shouldn't have been a, a story. When and I of see, course, when, when he's Trae when Young he's playing against Philly, I I don't maybe immediately jump to no. But let me let me remember let me, that great series last year. No, and I, I only here's what I'm trying to say is I felt like I'm not saying that the animosity was the same against Philly or against Milwaukee. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that to me the Hawks had bigger fish to fry than the Knicks clearly because we saw them do damage in the postseason. And now they're taking this great step back, and they're trying to get into a position where they can even make the playoffs. They have not had a good season. I thought it was weird for everybody to just say, we're going to give Trey Young his flowers for 48 minutes. Now, look, him scoring 43 points, it's kind of hard not to ignore what he was doing on the court. But that was the entire broadcast. I mean, the Hawks have had a miserable season. This is a miserable game between two teams that have just well, had, yeah, a ter- yeah, had a ter- that's been terrible in terms of meeting expectations for the season. But, I got here 48 minutes about what Trey Young said to Knicks fans last year and what they said to him last year and what's going to happen this year for 48 well, minutes. Gotta, gotta Come on, they man. Game, they got a game to sell. It's not easy to sell the game was a But the game was a good game. You didn't, it didn't not, have to be all about that. That's my it's point. Not, it's not easy to sell it on. Uh, let's watch the, the, the 12C Knicks and the 10C Hawks battle, battle it out. You know, I just you, think the energy for a national TV broadcast, they're, the, they got the, the energy. The, I just say real quickly, because we do got to get to this football stuff, but the energy the Knicks get when they come on national TV, rightfully so, is most of the time, man, look at this team that was really good last year and how lousy they are. Like, and I'm all for it. Like, that that's the story of the New York Knicks. I yeah. don't get why that is not the story for the Atlanta Hawks. It's the exact same story. I mean, it probably is. It's just not going to be against the Knicks. You know what okay. I mean? Okay, I feel you. I feel you <laughs> they were playing the Celtics, I think, or, you know, they were playing Cleveland. It'd be like, wow, look at where Cleveland is and look where the Hawks are this year. You know? I feel you on that. I think it's a good point. That's why. That's why it's important not to have just only Knicks fans on here. <laughs> it's important <laughs> to have uh, nuance. Now, for Nets fans, I'm sorry. Like, he wasn't going to save you on that one because he's a Celtics fan. So, you were just going to catch <laughs> You were just going to catch all the smoke there. It was going to be no devil's advocate <laughs> on that one. But shout out to the Nets. We'll see how they do. Um, I think it's great for basketball that Kyrie is not playing in all games. I think it's great. And I do think you're right in that. It's great in just in the fact that there is no, well, what if Kyrie played all the games? Look, now we, we have everything all out on the table. The Eastern Conference, which is already loaded, now has a true, true, true championship contender without any kind of hand tied behind their back going into the postseason. Especially not for something so ridiculous. Like, we're talking about a right, exactly. We're talking about an injury. At least those are provoked. Those make sense. This is That would have been something that was historically unprecedented. Yeah, we would have looked <laughs> at that and been like, how was that allowed? How do you even history? judge that? Yeah. It's, it was stupid. It was stupid for the city to ever allow unvaccinated people to come in and play and not allow the home players who are unvaccinated to play. Like, yeah. I said that from the beginning. I thought that was insane. And I thought from there that this thing was had an expiration date because of that. Like, there's no way that's going to fly, especially when you got at least one team that is going to have big playoff aspirations. There was no way that was going to fly. And then when baseball season came around and then them baseball fans were going to have to deal with 
not seeing Aaron Judge on opening day, uh, nah, it was over. Uh, the, the goose was cooked at that point. But let's talk football, man, because this has been arguably the most chaotic NFL offseason in league history. And it continues. It continues even today because the Kansas City Chiefs have agreed to send star speedster Tyreek Hill to Miami. In return, they will be receiving a 2022 first round pick. That is a 29th pick in this year's draft. A second round pick in this year's draft. That's 50 and a fourth round pick along with a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick in next year's draft. Hill, in return, will also be getting a new four-year, $120 million contract. $72 million is guaranteed. That is a record for, I believe, wide receivers. It might be for position play, but definitely wide receivers. Um, he is receiving a $52 million signing bonus. So as soon as he signs the contract, $52 million gets handed to him. Hill apparently chose the Jets, excuse me, the Dolphins over, sorry, the New York Jets, who also had a trade in place at the time to nab the Pro Bowl wide receiver. So, mega, mega move there in the NFL. We'll get to that in a minute, but we got plenty of other stuff to talk about throughout this week of chaotic news. So, we also, meanwhile, had two more mega deals last week. The Packers sent Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders for for a 2022 second-round pick. That is the number 22 pick in the draft. And a second-round pick in the 2022 draft, that, of course, is this year. That pick is 56 overall. So the Packers now have four picks in the top 60. Meanwhile, Adams goes to Las Vegas with a brand-new five-year, $141 million contract to play in Las Vegas. But what still may be the biggest surprise and what was a a shocking ending to a bizarre saga was what happened with Deshaun Watson. With four teams in pursuit, Watson, who had already rejected the Cleveland Browns, reversed field and made the decision that he actually wanted to play for the Cleveland Browns. So the Texans agreed to trade Watson to Cleveland for first-round picks in 2022, 2023, and 2024. They also receive a 2023 third-round pick, and the teams will swap picks in the fourth round. So I know this is a lot of people, so bear with me. <laughs> but this is this is what's going on. And I got, I'm trying to give it to you as much as I can before we dive into it. So as crazy as that trade compensation sounds, I hope you're sitting down for this because the money numbers are staggering. Watson has signed a five-year, $230 million contract with the Browns. The money is fully guaranteed. $230 million, fully guaranteed on this contract for Deshaun Watson. It is the highest guaranteed total in league history. But get this, Watson will only make $1 million in base salary this season. You know why they did that, Kendall? They did that because when the league eventually hands down its suspension, however many games it gets, whether it's four, whether it's eight, whether it's six, whatever it is, they're only going to be taken from that $1 million base salary something. They're not going to be taking any of that other guaranteed money that's coming to him for the rest of this deal. So for a guy who has been through a lot of turmoil... Seems like a pretty sweet deal for him and Deshaun Watson. And then for kickers, the Falcons, who lost out on Watson, who thought they were going to be in the driver's seat, they ended up kind of rechanging their whole strategy. And they ended their 14-year run with Matt Ryan, their star quarterback. He has now been traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. So Falcons, you would expect to be now in the quarterback hunt moving forward because they don't really have a starter on their roster. Kendall, there is a lot to unpack here. My first question to you is fairly simple. 
which move of all these moves I just mentioned do you think will have the biggest impact on the field next season? Mm. So before I go, okay, I'm actually gonna toss it over to another member of the of of the desk. Oh, special guest. The big dog is in the house. Well, no, no, that's me. <laughs> no, 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 there's no other big dog in the house. What are you talking about? The the, the right. slightly slightly less big dog in the house. Who, who, who's there with you, Kendall? All right, all right. Who's there with you, Kendall? Uh, yeah, man, it's me. Shamari, Shamari's you know stepping in, hopping in for uh, for a segment of sports talk. Had to crash sports talk. Yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, a lot, well, a lot of big deals clearly <laughs> in the NFL going on. I can't. It seems like every day, you know, I'm just, you know, working, and I get, I get, I get all these alerts about all these big deals going on, and yeah, it's crazy. And you know, seeing all these rants and all these sports shows all day it seems like all week. Um, I mean, of course, you know, the one that's you know close more near, most near and dear to heart, my heart, you know, the Devontae Adams, you know, Devontae Adams is leaving. Yes, uh, leaving Green Bay. Uh, yes. Things aren't looking too good in Green Bay. Um, you know, it's kind of been a, it's kind of, it's kind of been a, a very, Green Bay has been a pretty good punching bag for the past like week or so. Yeah. You know, since, uh, since this happened, people saying we're not Green, Green Bay has been a pretty good punching bag since Rogers went on Pat McAfee. Like, well, well, yeah. Like, yeah. Five yeah. weeks ago. Five, five for, months for ago. For the last like couple of years. I was going to say Green Bay's been, I was going to say Green Bay's been a good punching bag anytime they actually play in the postseason and then have an off season. Cause then it's just all about their failures yeah, <laughs> and what they, or what they're not doing. Yeah, how we have this quarterback. Yeah, or and then in our regular season, though, y'all are good again, so nobody can say anything. And then the postseason comes, and then we're having the same conversation again. So yeah, so I mean, it's just getting kind of ridiculous. Everybody's saying we're not going to make the Super Bowl. First and Winston, we're not going to make the Super Bowl. Then two, we're not going to make the playoffs. Then two, we're not going to win the division. And it's just, it just, it keeps going on and on. Everyone's talking about how the Vikings are going to win the division. <laughs> people, people and, are saying, that. yeah, people are saying the Vikings are going to win the division. The Packers are not going to win the division. Um, I don't know. I, so I don't know really know what's going on, but uh, uh, you know, I guess we'll see what happens with that. This Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, I was I was telling you, EJ, I was telling you, Kendall, the Jets lost. They lost the deal. Um, you know, they were this close to getting Tyreek Hill. Yes, they were. Uh, you know, they should have. They should have basically just just you know gave, um, you know, kind of just ask, just ask, you know, what do you want? You know, you want you want how many how many first round picks do you want? Yeah. How many do we have? How many do we have? The the, the Hill deal sounds interesting because it sounds like it sounds like the Jets weren't willing to part with one of the two top ten picks. Um, Which who are they? Who it it just it gets confusing because it's like what are you? Um, like what is it? Who I mean I guess is yeah. it Thibodeau? Who is it that you know you're gonna get? Yeah, and then and then beyond where not, you're just like and then, and then beyond not giving up the top ten picks, it sounds like they had a deal. Yes. With Kansas City that involved probably two second round picks that they yes, have. It, that, it did. That'll be in the top forty. But mm-hmm. then it came down to Tyreek Hill's decision. And he doesn't have a no trade clause, but he's gonna be a free agent and he was threatening to not re sign depending on what team traded for him. If I were the Jets, I would have maybe tried to call it a bluff, but are you risking trading a top ten pick for a guy that could walk? No, well, you have franchise tag. Jeff right. fan here. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah, 
and so that that that's the concern. But as Shamari mentions, like he's the perfect perfect kind of fit for what they yeah. need. Yeah, that that stung. Not it's, it's stung when you, you know. I get the alert. The Jets are all in on Tyree Kill because you guys have heard me say this a bunch. The Jets have had a deficiency in the athletic profile of their skill players. That to me has been the the really I think the number one issue with, well their te- with their teams, with their team. Like like oh. like like they have not had uh. <laughs> They had not had great speed. They had not had great athleticism. They had not had great size at the kind of position you need Brilliant. to dominate in this league. Um, you know, their running backs have been average. Their receivers have been below average. They haven't they, they haven't had those kind of game-breaking players. They haven't had a guy. I can't remember the last guy and they had a guy where you just give him the ball at the, at the 10 and he could take it 90. Like, they just I, – I, I, I guess Santana Moss. Like, I can't even tell you who the last Brad guy Smith. was. Brad, I mean, yeah, honestly, probably someone like Brad Smith, and he was like a wildcat kind of guy. Like, like for whatever reason, the Jets have just been unable. It's not like they haven't tried. Like, they tried Stephen Hill. They tried the kid Smith from Ohio State. Um, yeah, they, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Denzel Mims is not necessarily a, a, you know, a speed guy, but he's a, a big athlete kind of guy. Uh, for whatever reason, none of these guys have really panned out. Elijah Moore looks like a stud. I saw some Jeff fans saying, would you trade Elijah Moore for Hill? I'm like, hell no. That's not no, what no. I'm glad, and I'm glad they didn't put him in this <laughs> kind of deal. But it hurt because it just felt like, man, like that's the kind of guy the Jets have just not had, and that seems like the kind of guy that, like, with what Zach Wilson would thrive with. So when you yeah. see that the Jets were all in, and it basically came down to just Hill making a decision, I, I, I you know, it just it, it sucks. You know, it sucks. Now he's in the division, and now the Jets, who have had all these problems in their secondary, though they've they've made some moves. To try to uh, to try to help that um, now I have to deal with this guy in the division. So it, it was kind of a twofold gut punch. But I did what I, what I will say is is it was great to see the Jets big game hunting. That's what I tweeted earlier. Like the Jets have just been out on like any major player that uh, that is, that is any kind of needle mover. Like they they've <laughs> had big signs. Like they got C.J. Mosley. They got uh, they got the guy last year, Corey Davis. It's not like they haven't just gotten anybody. Of course, they got Lawson, who didn't play last year. But they haven't gotten, like, a bona fide, bona fide star. A guy who, when he comes on your team now, like, that, that other the other team you're playing against, like, their whole game plan changes because he's on your roster. Like, they haven't been in on a guy like that probably since Brandon Marshall. So, when I saw Tyreek Hill potentially to the Jets, it's like, wow. Okay, we're really cooking with gas now. And, you know, he chose uh, South Beach and no state taxes over new jersey and hella taxes <laughs> it was a pretty simple decision i think for him uh but it, it does hurt that the the dolphins assuming the jets were so close and, and couldn't get it done yeah and i i think for him i think the dolphins are probably a little bit closer to winning um than 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 the jets uh as we saw as cincinnati proved last year every team is not that far away for the most part um, so to just get Tyree Kill, it's very possible they could have been in the playoffs next year. Absolutely. Um, you know that's how good that's how good he is. <laughs> that's how that's how dangerous. You know, it's like that's why he's like wow. You know, everybody calls Wilson the Mormon Mahomes, and now you give him Hill. I mean, that that could have been a very very dangerous combination. And he can make some of those wacky throws that you be trying to make. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you throwing and, out that t- like Patrick Mahomes head. You know, Tyree Kill is there somewhere. Yeah, and, you know he'll get it. 
and 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 you felt like watching Wilson last year. While yes, he showed a lot of uh, a lot of um, you know issues with uh, yes. mechanics and yes. showed some issues uh, with decision making yep. and the speed of the game seemed a little much. You also felt like there were times where he was trying to make throws to guys that just weren't open or guys mm-hmm. that who were not capable you know, of making. Yeah, they were throws. not capable of making yeah, the absolutely. play he was trying to make. Yeah. You know, where you're like, look, if that was Tyreek Hill, that guy would be <laughs> yeah. wide open. Right, yeah. Or, you no, know, you, you, can't try, you can't try to throw that to Braxton Berrios. Right, you're trying no. to throw it 80 yards down the field, and, you know, we're talking about Corey Davis in double coverage. Nothing's happening. You know, nothing yeah, good or, is going to happen. Or Keelan, Keelan Cole, you know. Keelan, <laughs> yeah, Keelan, Keelan Cole. So, you know, so that's, that's, that's the big thing. And I, I think this does probably prove that the Jets will use some draft capital. We talked about two early second-round picks. On a receiver, I expect that if they don't use it in one of those top ten picks, that one of those second round picks will be used for what is a deep receiver class. So, so um, so, that in- go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say. So, what's interesting to me on the Dolphins side of this is yeah. I think this puts the Dolphins guys in a very precarious position. I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to. I'm not gonna be <laughs> salty Jets fan like I was salty Knicks fan to open this show. But I do think this is very interesting because they've signed Teron Armstead, a outstanding left tackle. They've signed Chase Edmonds. Raheem Mostert is now in in the in the fray. I don't know how healthy he is. He he's always hurt, but when he's played, not that recently, but in the past, he's been a great running back. Um, Connor Williams, I thought was a great signing on the offensive line. They tagged Mike Gesicki, and. I had Jalen Waddle on my fantasy team, and that second half of the season, he started to look like the Jalen Waddle we thought he was before he got injured at Alabama. So when I look at this offense, I see a team that, in theory, should at the very least compete for a division title. And in the high, high-end ceiling, when you consider how good their defense is, should compete for a Super Bowl. Yes. But it all really depends on one, two, and Tonga Vailoa. Because if he can't do it with these guys... How a how long do you wait, and then b if you don't wait very long, how do you pivot from him? Do you draft another quarterback? That doesn't seem like the right move. How do you go about trying to acquire another quarterback when you've given up not your whole farmhouse, but you you've, you've given a little bit up in this trade alone, and we certainly spent a lot of money this off season. Is it going to be even possible to get? a top-end quarterback next year, given how you've moved this offseason. It definitely feels like a chips-all-to-the-middle-of-the-table move for Miami in a way that makes sense on paper if Tua is a true franchise quarterback. But I have seen no indication that that's the case yet. So that, to me, is going to be very fascinating to see. And I do think it puts the Dolphins a little bit in a weird spot because if Tua doesn't work out, then what do you do? Ken, I know you're. I know you're the tool guy. Um, yeah, you know you're the guy. That's saying, yeah, you know, no, two over Burrow. Two I, over well, I, well, yeah, I said two over Burrow. <laughs> you know, but to explain, I did say two over Burrow in the middle of the 2019 college football season, okay. prior to Tua's hip injury. But yes, I was prior. Yes, to prior injury. to hip injury. Definitely. Uh, but I did say even prior to the 2020 NFL I, draft. I, and, and let me let me be on the record to say I said you were nuts before the hip injury. <laughs> yeah, that out yeah, there. I said, yeah, yeah, I said yeah. after the Texas game, like this guy Joe Burrow. Yeah, here. I know he, Joe Burrow's the number one pick. He clearly is the number one pick. Um, but he, but I did I did say, uh, 
you know, prior to the 2020 draft that I would have taken him over Herbert. Um, obviously, that doesn't look great right now. <laughs> that, but, that's one way. That's one way to say. Yeah, it. one way to put it. <laughs> but, uh, but EJ, I think you laid it out correctly that I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins had a better record than the Chargers next year. Um, mm, they weren't that much worse. That's a spicy Black. take. Um, and Tua, look, Tua's had an awful line, as has Herbert, as has Herbert, but, um, you know, he's had a lack of weapons, uh, in the backfield, he's had a lack of weapons on the outside, um, none of, nothing, none of what he's had in Miami has looked anything like the stuff that he's had in, at, the stuff that he had at Alabama, um, until they got Waddle, uh, which was, which was a smart acquisition, um, you know, the idea around building around Tua was you needed to get him more juice, more twitch on the outside. That's everything that Alabama has. You know, when you're throwing a Devontae Smith and you're throwing a Ruggs and you're throwing a Waddle, you're throwing a Judy, you know, like that, 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 they, they I mean, his rookie year, he was throwing a, to Mac Collins and, and, and Devontae Parker and, uh, you know, and Gasecki was like the number one option. Like they didn't have any of that twitch and speed. Um, and so getting Tyreek Hill on top of Jalen Waddle, now you've got real speed and then you add Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, who obviously Mike McDaniel knows really closely from coming from San Francisco. Um, now you've got, you've got juice and we know Mike McDaniel is, uh, is an expert at getting guys, the ball in space. We saw what he was able to do with Debo Samuel in San Francisco. Um, Waddle, I mean, that was the excitement around him, you know, being able to coach up Jalen Waddle. But now you give him Tyreek Hill, and now he has two guys that can do that. I mean, you know, there's, there, like you said, there's really no excuses for this Miami Dolphins team uh, to not compete at least for a playoff spot and borderline compete for a, for a, for an AFC title. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll find out what the deal is with Tua, but I will say that I think that coming off the 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 hip. You know, I would not be shocked if he has a bigger leap than people are expecting, given that he's far further removed from the hip injury than he was a year ago and he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have those kind of injuries, it may take guys sometimes years to come back from it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, on the on the uh, the Devontae Adams thing. Wait, before, before we get to Adams real quick, I just want to say something about the Chiefs. Um, yeah. Oh, yes. I feel like for me, the Chiefs are not the favorite to win the AFC West. And I feel mm-hmm. like today's the, the the kind of over over I don't know what the word is. I guess the kind of overarching take I've seen, that's the word I was looking for. The overarching take I've seen from this Chiefs thing is how could Tyreek Hill leave Pat Mahomes to play for Tua Tonga Vilo? Who does he think he's gonna be without Patrick Mahomes? I have a much I think a much more important question is who the hell is Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill? Because if y'all watch the same Chiefs game that I watched last season, it seemed like the times where Mahomes looked mortal were the times when Tyreek Hill was either banged up in the game or the team the other team that was was against them did a good job of taking him away. Now I'm looking at a wide receiver core that is led by McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster. That's your wide receiver one and two, and I'm supposed to feel good about the Chiefs next season? 
I think that the Chiefs are in for a rude awakening in this AFC West. And I love Pat Mahomes. The guy is a superstar. The guy has generational, maybe once-in-a-lifetime kind of arm talent. But he needs people to actually throw to. And Tyreek Hill was a Maserati. And now he's got a, a Lamborghini with no gas in Hardman. And I don't know. What would you call Juju as a car? What is he? Like a, <laughs> I'll be nice. I'm not going to say anything. I don't know. <laughs> like a Ford? I don't know. Like, don't like, know. like just something, something pedestrian. Not something slashy. Not something that's going to, that's going to, you know, break the speed limit. Something that can, that can get you by the day to day. But if you're going to go try to drag race Dom on the Fast and Furious, you're going to be cooked. That's what I see from their wide receiver core. Kelsey's great, but now you don't have the whole Tyreek Hill factor of people trying to take away him. And I think the one important thing about the Chiefs offense, guys, is what we saw last season was they had success when Mahomes realized, look, I can't just continue to go for the home run. I have to give me the easy stuff that teams are giving me because they can't afford Tyreek Hill to get behind them. That gets taken away now. Unless they sign or get someone else who can do what he can do. But like that that whole aspect of their of their game, I think is what makes them special. Because Pat Mahomes, once he realizes I can take the easy stuff, he's gonna kill you. The guy is an unbelievable talent. And then when you try to take that stuff away, and that's when Tyree Hill kills you. But now you if you take that that away and now these teams can play a little tighter on the underneath stuff, and you don't really have a guy that's really gonna hurt you. And really gonna scare people going down the field, unless again, unless you really feel like McCall Hartman is gonna turn into Tyreek Hill. The Chargers got better. They got J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. The Raiders got better. They got Devontae Adams, who we're about to talk about. The Broncos just added Russell Wilson. The Chiefs are also about to lose Tyron Matthew. They did get Justin Reed, who I do like, but he's not gonna be the kind of heart and soul leadership locker room kind of guy that Tyree Mac- Tyron Matthew was. And we don't know who that who they're gonna replace Tyreek Hill with. So I don't know. I, I I look at the Chiefs and they look a lot worse this year. And their division got a hell of a lot better. So this draft is gonna be crucial. They gotta have to find a diamond and rough kind of guy. And it's not impossible. You see teams draft a rookie, surprise these people and go out there and catch a thousand yards. They're playing with Pat Mahomes, maybe they find that guy. But I almost feel like this team, unless they do, I mean, I hear they, they, they're talking to your guy Valdez Scantling, Shamari today. I guess he was in the yeah. facility. Like these are the guys that they're talking about. Like if that's who they're going to be trying out at wide receiver, I don't see them as a, I see this as like almost like a gap year. I think this is a year where they go and they, they maybe they get a wild card spot, <laughs> maybe they win a game, but they're not really seriously competing for no title. I, I, I that's how I see it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like the Chiefs are another team, and it, I, mean, I mean, we say this is a deep wide receiver class, which this is. Um, it seems like everyone needs a receiver now, um, <laughs> or everyone's looking for a receiver. A lot of, even a lot of these teams that just got new people, the Browns got Deshaun. A lot of these teams can use receivers. You yeah. can never have too many weapons. A lot of these teams are going to be looking for receivers. I feel like a lot of these receivers are going to go a lot quicker than people think. That's just what I people saying, you know, second round, third round. I don't, are any of these guys going to be left? A lot of these teams need receivers. I think the second round, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to see a lot of movement. I think the second round, yeah, they're like, do not think you're, think yeah, I would say, I would say, do not think your guy that you want is going to be there in the third round. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Assume he's gone. Definitely. Because, because, and these are good, these is good talent. Yeah. 
it'd be one thing if this were like, oh, you know, middle draft, you know, no one's really popping, but I got a guy that kind of looks like he could be interesting. It's like, no, all these guys are great. So these guys are going to get taken by the NFL. We saw what happened with, with, with the Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson the year before. People want those guys. Yeah. People want to have guys that are going to have that impact. And they know they can get them. So, so you know, they're going to try. Kenneth Jamar, I, I think, honestly, Kenneth Jamar, I think that some of this, some of this, uh, some of these moves you're seeing from the Packers and the Chiefs, I think some of it is a calculation that they could find their next Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill in this draft. I think that 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 is part of it. I don't yeah. think that it's just. Yeah. I think it's an incredibly risky gamble because I think that Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill now, of course, these those guys are first round picks. We need to make sure we say that that is very true and that's very real. But that is still to me like okay. Now I'm trying to pick a diamond, you know, a, a needle out of a haystack essentially to find a Tyreek Hill in the third round where the hell he went or find a Devontae Adams outside the first round. But I think a lot of these teams say, look, okay, we can either give these guys all this money that we kind of don't really have because we gave all the money to the quarterback, or we could say, look, let's cut our losses now. Maybe we take one step back, maybe for one year, but then we find a guy that by year one or maybe even year two, like he is Devontae Adams or he is Tyreek Hill. It's a gamble, and and it's a gamble that, you know, when you're talking about, you know, it'll, it'll, call, it'll probably save you about – Fifty million dollars, sixty million dollars to to make that gamble, you know. But it is a gamble, and that's what they're doing to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I do. Um, I would say I can't disagree with that. Um, you know, because I mean, especially as as Packers, we have to draft somebody. We don't have a choice. Yeah, Packers will one hundred percent be drafted a receiver. We're drafting at least one receiver. I mean, maybe more. Like Shamari mentioned, like there are teams where you can just chalk it up. The Eagles will definitely be drafting a receiver. The Chiefs now will definitely be drafting a receiver. Um, you know, you look at the Chargers and you say the Chargers don't maybe need one, but they can really use some juice uh, to really take advantage of Herbert's arm strength. Um, you know, I, I did, you know. Yeah, it feels like they not, could use one more guy. Like yeah, they have two the good Falcons ones. They re-signed now. Williams. Yeah, exactly. They re-signed Williams, Stuff, Keenan Allen, but and they have a good oh. tight end, but they they need. They feels like they don't have a third guy. Yeah, Falcons use receivers. Falcons don't have any receivers right yeah, now. Jacksonville doesn't have anybody. Yeah, Jacksonville doesn't have a whole lot of help. Trevor Lawrence. You know, I mean, they got Kirk, but they're trying to get rid of Chanel. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but there will be, and the Bears obviously are another Bears team have nobody that, that need a lot of help <laughs> at receiver as well. So there's going to be plenty of teams that are going to be looking to invest at the receiver spot, and that's not even mentioning team other teams that. You know, may just like a guy. You know, they yeah. may just look and say this guy is by far the best player available. And did we mention the Jets? The Jets are definitely in there. Yeah, you sword. mentioned the Jets as well as another team that are going to draft a receiver. And you may see a team that maybe doesn't need someone like Jamison Williams, but they say, "Look, this guy is a top, you know, this guy a top fourteen <laughs> pick in a normal in a normal sense, and now he's in the late first round, and we're a Super Bowl team. So why not take a shot at a guy like Jamison Williams? So." um I, but, I, yeah. can, I, can I ask him a question real quick? Since he's yeah. he's he is somebody who is you know does not he's again someone who's going to be in the market for a receiver as a Packers fan, based on where the Packers are drafting, which is twenty two and like twenty nine I think or something like that or twenty eight I think, uh yeah, twenty two and twenty eight. If you had if you could have one receiver on your roster next year in terms of this draft, that's realistic. Like who's the guy you'd want the track the Packers to draft? You may get multiple guys. Let's just say one guy. Your highest pick is 22. So take that in your brain and say, okay, if I have one guy, 
on my roster and how you want to approach this draft? Who would be the guy you'd want? Uh, probably say, probably Jamison Williams. Really? Yeah. He's not going to be available early on. And, that's, and you still, you're still not worried about that? Uh, I think he's the best talent. You know, I, I agree. I think, yeah. And just in terms of just pure talent, just you know, throwing the ball, see what he can do. He's, <laughs> I yeah. think he's the best guy. I, I mean, reminds you. Doesn't he, I mean, I, you would you would argue? I think of the guys that are are in this class. I mean, he probably reminds you the most of Adams out of anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you know, I think the Chiefs might look at him and feel like he could be a replacement for Tyree Kill. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. given. Just uh, the speed, the speed, right? Speed factor. Um, so yeah, he's he's. I mean, he he's gonna be somebody that you would you would expect to fall. But I mean, we've also seen a lot, both in football and basketball, guys that have injuries that you expect oh they're gonna go lower, and then all of a sudden they get drafted where they were always supposed like Tua. You know, we all thought Tua was gonna fall. You know, to to the middle of the first round or whatnot. He ends up. He ends up going five. You know, it didn't really mm-hmm. fall at all based off of uh, the hip injury. So it only takes one team, you know, to look at Jameson Williams and now look at maybe a David Ojabo, another guy that, you know, is coming off an Achilles now that may still be able to go in the first round. But right. um, the 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 thing that, you know, the, the one thing I will mention about the Deshaun Watson thing. Yeah, I uh, want to get to that. You know, there's obviously a ton of layers to it. Right. Um, and I'm sure EJ will cover a lot of that. But I, I, what I what I will mention is the I think the risk factor that people are ignoring about Deshaun Watson because um, everybody will jump to look he's he's you know why wouldn't you pay a guy who's who's his age with the success that he's had on the field and you know he's a top five quarterback this and that. But I think the the only concern that I have. Is that and that a lot of people forget is that he's had multiple ACL injuries mm-hmm. at this point in his career. Had one at Clemson, had one after or during his rookie year, I want to say, um, and it hasn't preclu- precluded him from having an excellent NFL career to this point. But it does. You are putting on, and maybe there is an injury. Maybe there's an injury clause in there that we don't know. They, you know, they're saying fully guaranteed. I, usually fully guaranteed means fully guaranteed, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's there's some fine print that they're not talking about. Right. But regardless, that would concern me if I was any team investing in Deshaun Watson, knowing that he does rely partly on some of his athleticism. You know, he's not obviously Lamar Jackson, but um, you know, he also that also is a factor in his in his abilities, his ability to to escape and and and, and extend plays so um that that is that is a, a, an underlying wrinkle in in the football side of this that uh i'm surprised hasn't really been talked about now what's interesting about the watson knee situation is that it was right knee during uh, his rookie year it was left knee in college so it's different i, I mean sometimes like, okay well now i got a guy with 220 ACL. yeah well the other one is gonna be the second time well, well yeah, yeah but i'm just saying like it's not like this guy has one right. chronic knee he uh, has yo, two knees that have had issues but yes. he's been fine for you know i guess five years now uh, that, that injury happened in uh 2017 so yeah it's just something to mention you know is that yeah i i to be honest i would be more concerned if he had it in the same knee to be honest oh yeah all right like now we're talking about you know Third time his career is over. Probably gonna happen third time. Yeah, 
you know, so that's that's scary. So I think that's a fair point. I, I, so I'll, I'll I'll get to the other stuff as people like to say with John Watson in a second. I will start on the the player. Look, we know Deshaun Watson is very talented, and we know that when healthy, when right, obviously he's the kind of player that can carry an offense. We saw, we saw him do that for the Houston Texans. I do wonder about hitching yourself to the Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper nucleus as the nucleus that's going to potentially win you a Super Bowl. I just feel like in terms of like a character combination, and I and I even mean mostly football character combination, not even off the field, because there's really nothing off the field with Amari Cooper. I, I I'm still not sold on that. I'll be honest. Like Amari Cooper went to Dallas. Well, first of all, he was with the Raiders, and we saw him as a guy who was you know basically kind of in jail because you know they were such a bad organization. They had no help around him. And he had to get out of there. And he went to Dallas, and he was supposed to make Dallas into a real championship contender. And that really did not happen. And a lot of it was because of him being either in and out of the lineup, or even when he's out there, kind of just being just a guy, despite the fact that we all believe that he's this big talent. And Deshaun Watson, say what you want about his time in Houston. I know he, he was coached by an absolute buster. His GM for part of that time was an absolute buster because it was the same dude. So I get that. But the guy did have, you know, Hopkins. He did have Fuller before all the injuries. He had weapons. He had a a good team. That's why they went to the playoffs all those years. Like, and they have one, he had one playoff win to show for it. So Cleveland's not a team that's won much. They don't have a lot of guys in that locker room or on that team that can point and say, okay, I've won a Super Bowl, so I know what it takes to get it done. They don't really have that. I think we've all assumed because of what Deshaun did in college that he's that kind of dude. But the last time I saw him in the postseason, he was blowing a 24-point lead. So I just i am going to pump the brakes a bit on, like, punch the Broncos into the Super Bowl or even just definitely winning the NFC North. I, def- I certainly think they'll contend, there's, assuming Watson plays most of the games. There, there's a narrative out there. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little I'm – not, I'm not just like, just oh, yeah, this means the Browns are absolutely – now in the driver's seat, I don't see that. Yeah, I mean, there there's a narrative out there that, and this idea that Watson is going to be a Brady like Pied Piper figure mm. um, in the league, and that guys, regardless of where he was going to go, we're going to follow him. Um, there was word today that prior to signing with Cleveland, he was talking to Jarvis Landry. Leonard Fournette about teaming up in Atlanta and then you know Fournette obviously ends up in Tampa you know obviously Deshaun Watson decided to go to Cleveland so now Fournette's in Tampa um so I mean we saw Antonio Brown mentioned throwing his high hat in the ring there's word that Odell may want to go to Cleveland um there was word that Will Fuller might have wanted to latch on to wherever Watson was going you have not named one guy that I think would make Cleveland into a Super Bowl contender yeah, I mean, and that—that's what's interesting about this is that it's a little, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the Suicide Squad. You yeah. know, and you name uh, all all guys to me that are worse than Amari Cooper, except maybe AB yeah. if he's not completely insane. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not I mean, even sold. I'm not, and I'm not even sold. I'm not even sold on Amari Cooper. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I started this thing. I'm I'm not sold on that guy as your number one guy. I've never yeah. seen him do it. 
on that level. AV and Odell, if they were both in Cleveland, I don't think Andrew Barry can handle it. You know, <laughs> and it's not even to say Odell is like crazy, but I'm well, Odell like, would never go back to Cleveland, though. That's also, whole I mean, he's talking about it. Oh you know, God. apparently, because Baker's out of here, he's just gonna show up with like that guy, like you know, uh, R.I.P. Bozo. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I guess the idea now is is that he he may be interested, um, which is again a fascinating sort of situation. But they, again, that, that do you want to talk about the circus with having all these guys? Yeah, in one in one in one building, I I, I just don't know if if it's worth it for them. But but yeah, I mean, I you know, I feel like. The big thing with, I, I'm still, I'm also surprised. I talked to you about the CJ. I think that the AFC is so hard right now. I'm surprised Watson even wanted Cleveland over any of those other NFC South teams. Yeah, that was an interesting take. I don't know how you feel about that, Sham, because I, I, I have heard the take, and I tend to, I tend to understand it, and I can accept it that. Watson wanted Cleveland in the end because he looked at the rosters on the other teams and said, nah, nah, I guess I'm going to have to play in Cleveland. And I get that. I mean, Atlanta is in, like, kind of no man's land in terms of a rebuild. And the Panthers have decent pieces, but, like, their coaching situation is a disaster. Um, Your best players always hurt. And Chris McCaffrey can't stay healthy. So now you're worried about his health. Even without him, you say, okay, they still got some decent other players, but, you know, I don't know if that's enough to move the needle compared to Cleveland's overall roster when you count the offense and the defense. Um, But, and that's kind of what I was, again, a little bit what I was doing to, Sham, is that, again, the, the offensive nucleus of Deshaun, Amari, and I, I like Nick Chubb and and, 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 uh, and Hunt, but, like, all right, that's my offensive nucleus, and I'm going up against what they got over there in Los Angeles and Las Vegas now, and... uh. Uh, you know, Denver and Kansas City and Cincinnati who's in your division. Like, I don't I don't feel great about that. That looks like the Houston Texans to me. That's what they look like. That looks like they look like the Houston Texans from a couple years ago. A decent team that has some talent that, you know, maybe they can win one playoff game. I didn't even mention Buffalo. I know there was one big team I was missing. Of course, you know, Miami and I'll be in the mix too. Like I don't like and I and, and you had no first round picks for like forever. <laughs> So this is who you got now, unless you can sign other guys and you become like the the Midwest Los Los Angeles Rams, and it's just we're just gonna sign a bunch of guys and not care about draft picks until you know twenty eighty four. Maybe you could be that. Maybe it'll work. Deshaun is much younger than Matt Stafford, so like as long as he's in tow, I guess you feel like you got a shot. But I just think that Watson. I think. At, uh, my homes, and I think Rodgers are all going to learn a hard lesson that they should have learned from Tom Brady. Not just guaranteeing taking all the money for yourself ain't going to make roster building that much easier. We say, oh, why is people always want to play for Tom Brady? Because them guys get paid. Yeah. Except Gronk, AB. Oh, Gronk, yeah, except AB. AB and AB's <laughs> a clown. He shouldn't have been paid. But <laughs> uh, uh, Gronk has been paid. Back in the day, Randy Moss got paid. Wes Welker got paid. The guys got that. paid. Fournette just got paid. Godwin just got paid. Those guys get their bread because Tom Brady says, you know what, I will take $10 million per or $15 million per instead of taking $40 million per. And then, like, that's why, like, in terms of hating on Tom, like, I, like, I hate on him because he, he's killed my Jets. 
But I can't hate on him as like a winner because he has <laughs> put his money where his mouth is every single time. And I'm not even, I'm not hating on Deshaun or I'm hating on him for other reasons, but I'm not hating on him for this or I'm not hating on Mahomes or even Rogers for this. Like I talked about a couple weeks ago. It's not hate on it. It's just it's just a fact. It's just it's just obvious is that, look, you're worth this. So go get your money. We live in a capitalist society. I ain't going to ever trip on you about that. But I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, well, what are your pieces? And say, well, we had better pieces. Maybe he'd be in a better situation. I can't I can't see that. I can't see that. So, again, if Kendall's mentioned the Suicide Squad is going to come to Cleveland. That's going to change things. That don't change the fact that Los Angeles just got J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. That don't change the fact that Lamar Jackson is still in the division, that the Cincinnati Bengals just revamped their entire offensive line, the only weakness on the damn team. So, hmm. I, I don't know. I, how do you see this whole Deshaun thing, uh, Sham? Um, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's great for Cleveland. Um, well, for the Cleveland Browns, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll recharacterize my statements before I before I get attacked and destroyed. Um, it is great for the Cleveland Browns. Best day since they since they won the title. It's great for the Cleveland Browns football team right. in terms of trying to win games. That, that's that's my full Correct. statement. Um. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great situation for the team. I mean, they they, you know, they get a, a better quarterback than Baker, which I'm sure Baker's a whole other conversation. I'm sure you guys will talk a lot about that. Um, but you know, they get a much better quarterback than Baker. Um, you know, they can draft some more pieces. You know, I mean, we say all this stuff about the team, but you know, there is a draft coming up. They can draft some more That's people. True. Right, um, can draft. They're another team that may be in the. It may be in line to get some weapons. I think. They, I think they should be. I think. I think they. they I don't think they have enough right now. You know, get Deshaun and Olave. Get him a Jahan Dotson. Get him one. Get him more weapons, and let's see what happens. See what he can yes. do. So, um, so yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I think Cleveland is in, is in a good spot in terms of you know, in terms of building a roster. I mean, they're in a good spot, but they're, they're giving them a they're giving them a ton of money. They're giving them all their money. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And I will say just quickly, just on the optics of Watson. Look, I thought the the fawning over this guy was quite frankly pathetic, but it really was not surprising because at the end of the day, talent trumps all else in the NFL. If you're an elite talent and you don't have a pending criminal case or a smoking gun of evidence against you. Teams will just look the other way. And they'll look gleefully the other way. And what I think it was even re- more revealing about this instance is that we've heard for so many years that having your face of the franchise as a quarterback be a model citizen was supposed to be this very important thing. It was why people, you know, we, we honestly push very racist stereotypes about black quarterbacks and that this guy couldn't be the face of your organization for various ridiculous reasons. Um, but even outside of that, people always said that, look, this is the face of your franchise. You got to make sure this guy is just ironclad in terms of no issues off the field. So to see the kind of, uh, hypocrisy that comes with that when a player of Watson's magnitude comes into play and you had franchises that couldn't wait to plaster Deshaun Watson and all their. Uh, all their, you know, promotional materials, making sure people buy them season tickets for next year. Just says a lot about the hypocrisy of the NFL. You know, I don't want to hear about any more about the quarterback face of the franchise thing being an important thing. That's not, clearly it's not important. Because if you think 22 women 
out here just lying on this guy and because oh they couldn't do a criminal case on him therefore we're, we're fine with showing our city that yes this guy is this valuable to us that we'll give him 230 million dollars guaranteed and we we have no way of getting out of it that's the message you're sending it just it's just, it, a sad but not surprising situation as far as i'm concerned Last thing on the NFL, I know we got to get Sham out of here. I think Matt Ryan is a really nice pickup for the Indianapolis Colts. To me, Matt Ryan, his stats, you know, if you look at a lot of numbers, it was probably one of his worst seasons last year. I'm going to be, let's keep it 100. But his stats from not just, not, not based off of his prior standards, but just over the course of the NFL and the rest of the quarterbacks, his stats were pretty decent. And I watched some Falcons games this this past season. I wanted, one, they played the Jets in London, and two, I wanted to see some Kyle Pitts. And I thought Matt Ryan played really well in certain parts of that season with a roster that was clearly very depleted. And I like this move for the Colts because, one, I mean, the, the value, I mean, third-round pick, you know, that's the, you do that every day of the week. Um, I don't know what they got for Wentz, but that might have been somewhat of the value. That, that was kind of probably around the value they got for Wentz, so they really didn't lose much of anything in getting a third-round pick for Matt Ryan. But also, I think... This guy, this gives you a stopgap guy, to me, with legit upside. Like, I think Wentz's upside as a stopgap guy was kind of always a fantasy. It was this idea that, like, 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 oh, like, he could recreate what happened, how he was playing before the ACL injury. Like, this guy could be, you know, an MVP candidate. We can win a Super Bowl. And that just seemed like a fantasy because we had just seen too much Carson Wentz since then to see that that just wasn't going to happen. I think the notion that like Matt Ryan could take a Matt Stafford kind of leap in regards to winning on a team like the Indianapolis Colts that's built so well, that has a guy like Pittman on the outside, that has that insane running game, that seems way more plausible. The upside there I actually see as something that could actually happen with Matt Ryan. And because of his age, you don't have this kind of awkward thing of what do we do about his replacement? Like with Wentz, it was going to be a thing where eventually you're going to have to either like sign them long term or kind of be, you know, out of luck in terms of quarterback situations and maybe have no choice but to draft one. Now, you know, OK, Ryan will be the quarterback unless a guy completely falls off a cliff, probably for like the next two seasons. And I can like draft the quarterback in waiting. I can maybe not draft the quarterback this year, but draft the quarterback next year. Like, I just think it, it puts their plan way more in place. Like when they had Wentz in there, while I, I understood the gamble and I, and I wasn't hating on it. I just felt like it kind of put them in kind of this no man's land of we have this kind of young guy who we don't really think is that good, but he might be. So we'll see how this goes. Whereas now you can draft a young quarterback without having to have the the pressure of saying we got to throw him in there tomorrow because Matt Ryan's good enough for me to actually believe you could win that division and actually make a run in the playoffs. So I like the Matt Ryan move, Sham. How did you feel? I think it makes sense. I, I think it makes sense for Indy. Um, I, I, I mean, j- when it comes to how I feel about them get just jumping off a of went so fast, I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think actually, think Washington's in a pretty good position now with Wentz as well. But but uh, yes, better but, position than they were. Right. Yeah, yeah, much better. Position. I mean, yeah, they couldn't be in a worse position. They had one of the worst quarterback situations in all of football. Yeah, it was really bad. Um. <laughs> But, I'm not uh, saying that they're in a great position now, but again, it couldn't be much worse. 
Yeah, now they, they there's some hope. <laughs> you know, there's some hope. Yeah, now, now they have that fantasy something. that the Indiana Colts had last year with Wentz. Right. So, so I mean, Indy's Indy's not in a terrible spot. I think I think for if if you know the guy was so you know they say um, you know the the owners that he couldn't stand. Yeah, Ursay. Ursay Ursay just used fuming, foaming <laughs> at the mouth, trying to trying to get rid of Wentz. So okay, so he had to get rid of Wentz. So they got Matt Ryan. He's a he's a very good. That's an upgrade, you know. It, very very very, very rarely good. are you in that position where you're so desperate to get rid of a guy that you gave up first round pick for, that you felt like then you you would then feel like you're getting an upgrade, a clear upgrade, right. not like a, I got Baker and right, I kind of yeah, feel like right. I'm basically in the same <laughs> yeah, spot. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But yeah, theoretically, he could be better. Right. That would have been that other. That was like same. That would have been that fantasy. Yeah, that was, that's what Wentz was. That's, 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 like, Wentz is a fantasy. Rivers. Baker Mayfield's a fantasy. He's like, well, he's the number one pick. So if he lives up to that hype, yeah, like, maybe things will work out. The collarbone, the oh. shoulder, right. you know, <laughs> the rotator cuff. But with with Matt Ryan, it's you know it's you know what you're gonna get for the most part. Right. It's it's a lot closer to the Stafford deal, and he's not that much. He's not that much older. You know, they he came in the league one year before Stafford did. He's two years older than Stafford. Um. And from what they wanted, which was a guy who would run the offense, who could just run the offense and not make mistakes, just not be a quote unquote screw up, you know, like that's what Wentz's issues were. It wasn't that he couldn't make plays. It was that when they just needed a guy to sort of drive the bus, things would all of a sudden go wrong. You know, that's not going to happen with Matt Ryan. Right. You know, and so Matt Ryan's going, you know, if I'm coming up with a list of the top five or six or seven guys who are going to be the best on schedule, on script quarterbacks, he might be in that top six or seven. So if that's what you're looking for, that's exactly what you're what you would want, and he's the exact kind of guy you should target. Um, I actually think that the Baker Mayfield thing is very interesting because right now, yo, nobody I, wants I, that. Texas you, EJ. We got a lot of it's musical chairs. We all remember the game musical chairs. You don't want to be that guy who is who's the last guy with no chair to sit on. And right now. There's, you know, I don't know what chairs are out there. You know, we've got Seattle right now, maybe the chair. We got uh, some people talking Pittsburgh may still be an open chair. Um, you know, Atlanta got Mariota. But, you know, there aren't many teams right now that need quarterbacks. And yet we've got at least Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett who are going to be guys who will be at least competing for starting spots you'd expect. On top of Jimmy Garoppolo, who still hasn't gotten traded. And... Now Baker Mayfield as well. Yeah, so I mean, it's yeah. a very precarious situation where we're talking about is Baker going to get cut? I mean, when was the last time we had a number one pick get cut? You know, as a quarterback. It's been, I mean, with Demarcus Russell. So <laughs> you know, we're going. So this is not a this is not a good not a good outcome for Baker Mayfield, obviously. And you know, the word is that Pittsburgh would jump on Baker if he got cut. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know what to make of of. His situation. Well, it seems like it seems like you know people only like this guy under the right conditions, which is that we don't give up a damn thing of value for him. Like, Carolina said, we want nothing to do with him. Yeah, They're... Carolina. Yo, that was the first report I've ever seen where it's like Baker Midfield Carolina have mutual disinterest in. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that before. A report about and, an athlete and another team it. both needing each other, and in terms of like one team needed quarterback and another team needing a team. Another and the player needing the team, and the report being that there's mutual disinterest. And I've also that, that was hilarious to me. The report of NFL team that desperately needs a quarterback, not interested in starting quarterback. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> that's on the market. You know, but in this case, the Carolina Panthers want nothing to do with the guy. Um, so I think he's in a lot of trouble. And I will say, I am watching closely. Why, why do you think? Jimmy, I mean, why why do you think that people think he's that whack? Like what? Like wh- yeah. I think, that, that, I, think, I, I think the I think the perception I amongst NFL fans is not necessarily the perception of NFL teams. I think NFL fans even think that Baker is okay. I think yeah, a lot of people making excuses for him, you know, and, and teams are like, "No, I don't want anything to do with this guy." So what what is what is going on? Where, where is the disconnect? He's too loud. You Why think it's that so shit? Loud? You think you think you think it's his antics? A hundred percent. Wow. A hundred thousand percent. It's not that he's not he can't play. We know he can play. Right. Anyone that is in the league knows he can play, but he's not good enough to justify. He's not good enough to justify all this extra, quite frankly, BS that's coming with him. Him beefing with his receivers, beefing with the media, beefing with the coaches. Man. Apparently, the fans not getting along with people. When you don't get along with people, uh, I mean that stuff gets around. Yeah, you know these teams talk. He was getting ready talk. to ask for. Apparently, he was already getting ready to ask for a trade because he thought. They may go after Kirk Cousins. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you know? and, 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 and apparently the they is, didn't even want Kirk Cousins. And the word is he wasn't even going to play this season. Yeah. If you know, so it's like who wants who wants to deal with that? Nobody wants to deal with that. And he's and like you said, Kendall, you you really put it. He's not good enough. Yeah. To justify that. Yeah. If he was Mahomes, plenty of, plenty of guys. Look at Deshaun Watson. If he was Deshaun Watson, There's plenty of baggage. It'd be different. <laughs> but he's not. He's not. Right. So I, he's I, not. I am very glad you guys said that because it reassured me that I wasn't going crazy last week when I tweeted that there was somebody, uh, I think an NFL reporter or somebody who tweeted something like on the lines of, you know, this is when they didn't think that Deshaun was actually going to go to Cleveland. It looked like that Cleveland was going to be, you know, have to, was going to have to return with Baker Mayfield and play. Actually, I found the tweet here. The tweet was, Baker Mayfield went to the absolute worst possible situation of life and changed a franchise that had sucked for decades and made them a playoff team. He destroys his shoulder, uh, tries to play through it, and the team is spinning in his face because because of it. Browns being Browns. This was Michelle Magdziak. Apologies if I mispronounce your name. Um, she uh, works for NFL Network. And I had tweeted, which it, it got a lot of response, was, we are now giving Baker Mayfield credit for what Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Denzel Ward did because they were definitely the four best players on the one time they made the playoffs. And I just feel like people really got to – I don't know if, like, they're – especially Browns fans during that time period when they thought they weren't going to get Deshaun and people that were clowning the Browns. Like, y'all need to really take a, a much harder look at who Baker Mayfield has been in the NFL. Baker Mayfield has been a mostly pedestrian quarterback. He had a pretty good rookie year. He had a disastrous second year. It was so disastrous that in the third year, when they stockpiled their team with stars, the mandate going into the season was, we need this quarterback to throw the ball less. We need this guy to do less. We need to rely on him less if you want to win a Super Bowl. That was the mandate. And guess what? It worked. The Browns actually won a playoff game. They had the third best rushing attack in the NFL. Their, their pass rush was elite with Olivia, uh, Olivia Vernon and, of course, Miles Garrett. Denzel Ward was locking up dudes on the outside. Their passing attack during that one year they made the playoffs, the year that this that uh, Michelle says he made, he, he quote, unquote, made them a playoff team, Baker Mayfield, their passing attack, they were ranked 24th in the NFL. That's his good year. 
His good year in the NFL is 24th. That's why I don't understand the disconnect between the fans who support Baker and the league who clearly sees what I see. Is that this has been a very pedestrian guy. He has not shown very much. He's had borderline elite talent around him and nothing to show for it. He has one playoff win. And he played on on a team where their whole thing, the whole whole story of their season was, let's do everything we can to ensure this guy doesn't have to do a lot. And we're trying to say that he's he's some franchise quarterback? Come on. I, I, I think Baker, he actually found himself really well at being the game manager. Yeah, he did a great job you know, with that, but that's what and, he is. And being Kirk Cousins, being, you know, that guy who you're not asking to do a ton. But the issue is that 95% of game managers in NFL history come with very little baggage. They come there, they have right. to. There's a reason why Kirk Cousins gets the Captain Kirk, you know, mantra. You know, you know, there's a way those guys usually, you know, you know, have intangible qualities that are supposed to, in theory, make up for the fact that their ceiling isn't as high. Of the guy who can make a ton of plays and do all of this and that, and Baker came in as a guy that we thought was more of a gunslinging, swashbuckling quarterback, who we've now figured out is actually probably better when you just cut the field in half, do do very simple concepts with the guy, just have him manage the game. But he also has the brashness and the brand and the the commercials and all this of a guy who yeah he actually he, he, he Tom Brady, and and that that disconnect is what I think bothers a lot of NFL teams mm-hmm. and is what keeps him off right now and may keep him out of a starting spot. Um, but I am I am watching very closely the situation in Seattle because I have some cautious optimism that they may sign Colin Kaepernick. Wow, you're still holding on hope for that. I, 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 I'm sad. I, have I, I just, optimism. I don't know. The last time I saw... Wait, Kaepernick I, is moving. Is very he, curious. Yo, Kaepernick is moving like a guy that thinks that he may have a shot, but I've he sounds him, like a guy that I think I've seen him do this before though, and then and then he don't get a shot, so I don't know how to feel. Yeah, but now I don't trust the league, so I mean, we'll see what the way this is. The way this is going, you know, I I I'm paying close attention. We may be maybe having a conversation in a week week or two. Okay, you got to use your connections, Kendall. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but yo, Shamari, man, it, it's been great having you on for uh, the NFL. From really, it's gonna turn into the majority of this podcast. We're running long here. Um, appreciate you, man. Of course, this is Shamari Stewart, third cog of the New Generation Podcast Network. He's the host of the uh, Imperial Broadcast. He, of course, is a co-host on Hero Talk. You've seen him on our YouTube channel as well. Um, any last words for the people? Ah. Uh... Uh, go pack go. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fitting way. That's a fitting way to, to, to that's a fitting way to leave Sham. Appreciate you, homie. Um that's Shamari Stewart there joining us to talk football. We got about fifteen minutes or so, Kendall. I'm gonna try to condense all this baseball in about fifteen minutes. I think we should be able to do it. There's a lot going on though. Um there's a lot going on, man. Uh so let's begin. it's been, you know, obviously a crazy NFL offseason. We can't lose sight of the just crazy truncated NLB hot stove that we've seen. That, like I said earlier, was kind of split into two. Five players changed teams over the past week. Freddie Freeman heading to the Los Angeles Dodgers, his hometown team, six-year, $162 million deal. The Phillies added power by signing Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. They'll be playing in their outfield, hopefully not too much because them guys can't play any defense, but... They will be playing some games in the outfield for sure for Philadelphia. Carlos Correa 
surprised many by signing with the Minnesota Twins on a three-year deal worth $103 million. There are player options in every year of the deal, so he could be a free agent as early as next season if he wanted to. Trevor Story, who's been a shortstop in Colorado, he signed a deal to play with the Boston Red Sox, but he's going to be moving positions. He's going to play second base because they have Xander Bogarts. So he signed a deal $140 million over six years to play in Boston. And I thought another really big-time move as well was the Blue Jays trading for A's third baseman Matt Chapman. A lot of things to take away from this, from this, from these moves, Kendall. But I want to start with my concern. I have concern here because you know I'm a big Mets fan. I have been, you know, essentially uh, grittying through the off season or high stepping through the off season, whatever you want to call it. I've been doing all that. It's been a beautiful time. The Mets have done an excellent job of revamping their roster, and they come into this NL East now as a true contender. I think the Phillies are being overlooked, Kendall. I really do. And I'll tell you why. Look, as I said at the top, their defense stinks. Their defense absolutely stinks. When you consider you got to play Schwarber and Castellanos for X amount of games in the outfield when the other outfielder they got is Herrera, who's not terrible, but he's ain't a, he ain't a plus defensively. So that's not great news for Philly. But I think they've built their team well for the ballpark that they play in. It is a very, very hitters-friendly, home-run-friendly ballpark. So playing defense in that ballpark, I don't, one, I don't think will be as hard. And two, them guys are going to hit a lot of home runs in that ballpark. So any hope that or any kind of questions about Castellanos taking his act from Cincinnati to Philly, I think it disappears. Kyle Schwarber get home runs in any ballpark. So you know he'll hit a bunch in Philly. And I look at their team. You got, uh, you got Bryce Harper still. And I think a lot of their, their – uh, their success is going to come down to whether guys like Alec Bowen, who had a really rough second year, D.G. Gregorius, if he can come back, he, he had a really bad elbow injury, and that seemed to mess up his entire season. I just see a very high ceiling for the Philadelphia Phillies. Reese Hoskins, another power hitter in their lineup. And now look at the rotation. Zach Wheeler has been an absolute stud. I did not expect him to be this dominant since leaving the Mets, but he's been a dominant ace in Philly. And Aaron Nola, if you look at some of the sabermetric numbers, why he didn't, it didn't appear he pitched as well. The sabermetrics and the analytics suggest that he pitched a lot better than maybe those numbers suggest. And some of that had to do with ballpark and defense in terms of his issues. If you got him, Wheeler, Ranger Suarez, you're cooking with something. I don't know what the hell the bullpen's going to look like. That was a big issue, and now they have completely revamped their bullpen. But... I just think we need to look at the Phillies. They 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 do worry me. Maybe I have PTSD from you know from from 2010 and 2011, but I just think we gotta keep an eye on them. Man, uh, I think the Phillies are the Phillies are definitely a got are definitely gonna be an interesting team. I think the thing that that's uh, that bothers me is the division. You know when you talk about. You know the the obviously the Braves, um, yeah. you know not going to be, you know losing Freddie Freeman is not going to be easy. But you get you're getting Ronald Acuna back. Yeah, um, you placed him with Matt Olson. That's a pretty great, yeah, you bring, great you replacement. Bring in, yeah, you bring in uh, 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 Matt Olson. You know which borderline could be an upgrade depending on who you ask. Um, and and look, obviously again you mentioned you know I mean uh, you know you're talking about the world you were talking about the World Series champs, but also the Mets, you know, I'll give you your, your, the Mets for their respect. 
Uh, we're talking about a team that, you know, expects to be contending for, for uh, you know, the pennant, for the division. Um, they're not going to be an easy team to, 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 to get by as well. So the Phillies are definitely going to be in the conversation, but um, they're they have they have and they have a lot of high end talent, but you know last year and the last couple of years they haven't I don't think they've shown the the consistency and the the sort of the 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 intangible quality that you need sometimes. I do agree with that. You know the yes. the sort of metal the playoff metal that right. you know a team needs to be able to survive a 162 game season. Um, no, I do agree with that. I think that's where Joe Girardi is going to come in, honestly, because that's what they're missing, I think. Besides, yeah. again, defense and rotate, and arguably rotation and bullpen. But I, I, I don't trust necessarily – I don't know. I like Schwarber. I think Schwarber maybe is the start of that, I would say. He's a guy right. I do trust in terms of intangibles. But um, but I think that's what you see they're missing. They don't really have guys who have won on a big level. And, and you know, what's the baseball character of the team? I think that's 100% accurate. That's where I think you say, okay, does Girardi kind of – maybe help them in that regard. That's going to be uh, something important to watch. Kendall, are your Giants cooked after the Dodgers got Freeman? Are they cooked? Because, <laughs> I mean, now you got Freeman, so you can move Muncy to DH, and you've already got all that talent they got on that team already. Look, I heard the same thing last Seager, year. Hour, uh, yeah, Scherzer, and eventually they did cook us. Uh, there wasn't a regular yeah, season. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They did. They, you know, they, they, I, mean, they, I said Seager. They uh, lost Seager across to, to, to Texas, but yeah, um, yes, they did lose but, Seager, but they're not. They're not tripping about that. No, uh, Ray Turner, um, coming back, but yeah, no, they're they're. I mean, they have a lineup that is. I mean, it's it's like Voltron. You know, um, almost every single name is a guy who could and, may, and probably will make the All Star game next year. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it, you know, it's just the question. It, honestly, I the the thing is, is does this Star Wars stuff really work? Does this idea that we're just going to buy the best team and say, you know, uh, you can say we're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try and win it with with a bunch of with a bunch of big names? We've seen the Yankees try it for years, and you know, they only got them one title in the last whatever however many years. Um, you know, I feel like. The Dodgers are going to be a test of that. They have been a test of that in recent years, and they finally got over the hump recently. You know, it, it, it's you know, getting Freddie, Freddie Freeman is, is is excellent. You know, when you're able, when you're losing a guy like Corey Seager and feeling like, oh, we'll just move our All Star, you know, shortstop who we had playing second base back to first. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play his natural position. Yeah, yeah we're going to play his natural position. It's like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, and then, and then, we'll, then we'll, they will put Chris Taylor, who we couldn't find enough minutes for. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put him in the starting lineup, so now we'll be yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, who, who, you know, nuked the Giants in the, right. in the, in the, in the NL wild card series. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just uh, a, a bevy of riches for that, for that team. Um but you know, again, you know, you lose Scherzer, you lose Kenley Jansen. You know, we'll see what the deal is with Bauer, but I don't expect him to be, you know, pitching much for them, if any. So they have question marks. But uh, and what is Kershaw at this stage? You know, is yeah, Kershaw what's what's Kershaw? I think what the bullpen is our question. They lost Kenley Jansen to that well, He lost Joe Kelly as well, and he lost Joe Kelly too. So uh, those are those are definitely questions. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Bozo, <laughs> Joe, Joe Kelly, oh, God. leaving. Uh, he'll be much beloved. Um, you know, where is he in Chicago now with the White Sox? He'll be much beloved so, yeah. there. But 
Um, but you know, could could not stand Joe Kelly as a Giants fan. No, I I, I couldn't understand. I think a lot of baseball fans love him because of his. Uh, his oh yeah, and, and look, as a, just a general him, him clown, him clowning those clowns, those those clowns. Yeah, we'll yeah. That. I mean, I loved all that energy. Yeah, it's just man, when you when you're facing, and he's he's a he's a good. I mean, he's a good reliever, man. Oh yeah, he's yeah. tough. It, you're very Brian Wilson with the with the antics, but it's also very tough to very tough to face. Um, it's funny you mentioned uh, the Dodgers. First of all, I will say I'm glad you say you know buying their way to a championship. I had a very spirited conversation with a coworker who was trying to convince me that the Dodgers don't actually aren't actually trying to buy their way to a championship. I thought was I thought was. I mean, look, I'm sure they have their own processes and player evaluation and analytics. Well, his thing, well, his thing was that they have a lot of players on the team that are homegrown, like a lot. Some of their starters homegrown. So how can you say they're trying to buy a championship? And I'm like, yeah, but they got Mookie Betts, and they tried to get they they do have Bauer, and yeah, like I mean, I don't I don't know. It it just seemed like, and then now they just got Freddie Freeman. I don't. It seemed like a ridiculous point to me. They have. Great homegrown talent. They've also tried to buy their way to a championship. Yeah, the like, homegrown talent. To me, those great. are two. Why those are two need, different uh, things. Why do you need Freddie Freeman? Right, exactly. You could just do the guy, use the guy that you got. So yeah, I, I didn't really understand that point, but nonetheless, um, it's interesting you mentioned moving story. Excuse me, moving Turner to short because it seems to me like the Red Sox may be kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, you got Bogarts and Story playing in the middle. Story's been in a, a Gold Glove caliber. Shortstop, he has to move to second because Bogarts is already playing there. But Bogarts is a free agent next year. So you say, okay, maybe we don't want to pay Bogarts. He may cost more than what we're paying Story now. Let him go out the go out the backside and we'll use that money on someone else next year and move Story over to short. I, I kind of get the logic. That's what they want to do. It's uh not and for this season the the Red Sox lineup is gonna be ridiculous. I'm talking about Bogarts and Story. Devers, J.D. Martinez. I mean, they're loaded. They're loaded. Kike Hernandez now goes to center field where he feels more comfortable. Uh, the Red Sox, really, really their question is going to be, you know, what is their pitching staff? You know, Chris Sale is not going to start the season. He's always hurt anyway, but he's not going to start the season. He has a fractured rib. So questions in pitching, which is par for the course for the Sox, but, man, talk about firepower and potential, you know, team building, looking ahead when with the uh, with, uh, – with bringing story in to potentially maybe be the replacement for Bogarts. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me, the, the other move that, that, um, that really, uh, made waves for me was Korea going to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, this off season, you know, it's funny because when you play MLB, the show, uh, the show doesn't really, that game doesn't really understand the idea as much of, like small markets, yeah, like exactly. Yeah, you know, a lot of the money there is no. It's like it just there's there's like no just no cap, and every team has a lot of money you can spend and whatnot. Yeah, which you know is fun for if you're doing a doing a a, a career mode with the Tampa Bay Rays or something like that. But uh, sometimes it's not realistic some of the player movement. But when you see, you know, Baez going to Detroit, and then you see Correa going to, to Minnesota, like that right. felt like. It feels like this is like something out of MLB the show. Yeah, you feel like this is there's no way like this happened on the show. You'd be like, this is never gonna happen. Really. Yeah, it's like crazy. Sure enough, Minnesota. Are you yeah, kidding? Sure me? enough, that's what's happening. <laughs> but man, you know, shout out to Scott Boris because uh, you know quite the deal. Um, Correa, I mean, it sounds like it's just a one year 
with a couple of options or at least three years with opt-outs. But, um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how long he's committed to playing in Minnesota. But um, he said he wants to build a championship culture. I don't know how you do that in one year. But <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm like, Wait, that is what he said. Culture. But you have two opt outs after the first two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think this Twins team is a team that is certainly, you yeah, know, they've had a, yeah, they've had a lot of bad luck. Um, but I think they're they're a team that's certainly trying to uh, trying to compete. Um, yeah, you look at Pol- I mean Polanco and Correa in the middle of the infield is that's that's big time. Yeah, I mean, that, that Jorge Polanco had a great year last year. Now you have Gio Schaller playing third. I mean, they fleeced the Yankees, man. The Yankees sitting around, yeah. they, they fleeced them because they 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 were like, "Yo, we'll take, we'll we'll we'll, we'll take you know Gary Sanchez, who you can't stand, and we'll put Oshella at third, and give you Josh Donaldson the quote unquote upgrade in the trade." Though I'm not even convinced of that, given Donaldson's age, and oh, and then we'll we'll figure out what we got to do at shortstop because we're giving you you know uh, we're giving you a kind of Filela, but I don't know what we're gonna do at shortstop now. But now, hey, Yankees, now you got your shortstop, so yay, everybody wins, right? And then they turn around and get Carlos Correa. So basically, the salary that they needed to dump in Josh Downson, they replaced in Carlos Correa. And now you look at the team that they got, they're much, they weren't very good last year, but you realize they only needed one or two players, I feel like, to really kind of change their outlook. Because, yeah, Polanco and Correa, that's a really good middle infield. Urshela's great at third. You still got Byron Buxton. Who was the number yes. one pick in the draft? That Correa was number two, yeah, so or vice versa. Those, or vice versa, yeah, however that went. Yeah. Um, and then look, if, if Kepler and Miguel Sano, if those guys play to the level they were playing pre-pandemic, now you're looking at a Twins lineup that could definitely do damage. We already know the Astros are going to be a step behind. They just lost Carlos Correa, and Chicago lost Rod- your guy Rodon, who's now p- pitching in San Francisco. Yes, it's it's a now their starting rotation is they don't have anybody. So that's, you know, they're relying on Joe Ryan, who's a, a, a prospect, essentially an Olympic hero, to be their ace. So that's going to be something to pay attention to. But they got a ballpark that, that will do well for hitters. I think that that's something to pay attention to. I, I, I really do. Um, man, the Yankees. Well, first of all, before I go to the Yankees real quick, I know we got to get out of here. Yes. Um, Toronto, to me, looks like the team to beat the AFC, in the AL East. I don't, I don't know if it's. I think the Red Sox are will compete against them. I don't think the Yankees are even in the conversation, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it hopes that uh, unvaccinated players likely won't be able to play. Well, play. I didn't even think about that. That is a huge <laughs> help. Yeah, considering the Yankees are in their division and one of their best players allegedly may yeah. not be able to play in those like, games. Every team they play is going to be missing gonna be missing somebody, probably. So, yes, that is a thing, and that is very true. But I'm looking at the roster they got, man. They Remember, they got Kevin Gossman. You saw him pitch in San Francisco yes. last year. He was outstanding. Remember, they traded for Jose Barrios, who's an ace in Minnesota. And they got Yunjun Ryu, who they picked up last year. So the rotation now, that's always been their weakness, is kind of stacked. And the lineup is yeah. loaded. Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer, yeah. Tiasco Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel. And now you add Matt Chapman. I think the problem with Chapman was he was relied on to be something maybe that he wasn't in Oakland. You know he's not going to be a high average kind of guy. He's gonna he's gonna strike out a little bit. He's also battled some injuries, but now you put him in this lineup, he can just be just another 
powerful bat. <laughs> he's not relied upon to him and Olsen to do everything. And then Matt Chapman's defense, I mean, the guy's a wizard at third. So the time is now for Toronto. The time is now. And we got to do our baseball preview, I guess, maybe next week. I don't know. We'll see how it all works out. But if I'm looking at early favorites, maybe the guy of the American League, I might start with the Toronto Blue Jays. Interesting. Um, yeah, no, the Blue Jays are going to be tough. Like I said, that that advantage uh, could play a factor. Um, and look, I mean, Vlad Jr. had what would have been an MVP season last year if not for Shohei Otani. So, um, you know, he's a guy that he's a guy that you know may be able to win it this year, depending on how Otani looks. But um, and it's funny, I was thinking about Otani uh yesterday because uh, he had his first start uh in spring training and, and i feel like the next step for him beyond and i'm sure we'll dive into him during the during the, yeah. the preview but um <laughs> the, the next step for him is going to be becoming a like a an ace Cy young kind of pitcher you know he's a very good pitcher right now. <laughs> it's like Jesus. Like, what are we? Are we asking too much of this guy? Yeah, like, I, know, right? I mean, you going out there being a plus pitcher and the best hitter in the game—that's nice and all. But like, you need to really be a Cy Young level guy for me yeah. to really get excited. Like, I mean, how much do you want from the guy, Kendall? The guy's yeah. already the closest thing to Babe Ruth that we've seen since Babe. But that's what's so crazy about it because that was coming out of coming out of Japan. Like, he was a pitcher who also happened to be a great hitter, and. I always thought that the hitting was more reliable coming out because that's, you know, that's easier, I think, to translate. I was going to say, I, th- I think that we've seen from the Japanese players that the hitting is way more transmissible. Tra- tra- what's the word? Is it not transmissible? That sounds like a disease. Uh, transferable. Uh, that's the word. Yeah. Way more transferable uh, for the Japanese players than the pitching. Right. And so I, I, I always looked at that and, and, and felt like that was going to be a little more of a safer bet. And it has been so far. But as she's continuing to get more comfortable and more healthy, you know, we already, we've already seen the, the batting. It's almost like Luka Doncic where it's almost been better, you know, here than it was in Japan. Can the pitching be the same? We'll see. Yeah, I think we will see. It'll be important to check out, but it's been a fun show, man. We'll be, we'll be following our brackets this weekend. I'm in bad shape in our family pool. I'm in seven, sixth place out of seven people, but I have all my final four picks still around. Remember, I have Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, and Kansas. Those teams are still around, so not necessarily out of the woods yet. Kendall, your bracket, not much better than me. You're in fifth place. No, it's tough. And you have very little points left because you've lost Wisconsin, who was your national champion. So three of the teams are still there, but it's not looking good for you. Yeah, I got a little too too cute. Should have just stuck with the Kansas pick. In my head, I was like, no one's going to pick. Someone's gonna pick Kansas, which I was right. Our mom picked Kansas, so so I was like, let me let me go with, let me go with a team that no one's gonna pick. And this is why look, I can right. This is why I can when they run races, like they don't when the horses they put blinders on them. When you run track, you just run your race. You don't worry about what's looking. looking yeah, man. Looks your right, seeing what people are doing or wondering what people are doing. Yeah. That was your first mistake. And it's funny because I don't think anybody picked Arizona, and they would have been if I would have thought no one's gonna pick Arizona, I would have picked, them. but. Yeah, I think the West, they're a West Coast team, and they're not Gonzaga, who everyone knows about because I talk about them nonstop in our household. So that's that was like a that that you should have realized that maybe people were going to overlook them. Yeah, um, and, but and yeah. that's the funny thing because everyone has them in like the Final Four, 
everyone, a lot of some people have like, nobody has them going all the way. Yeah, but no one has them winning it. And I'm like, Damn, yeah, should have figured. Yeah, I still have the most points available, so I'm not tripping about being in six. I had a really, really bad second round. Second round was a, just a disaster for me because I picked a lot of upsets in the second round that didn't happen. So I would be worried about our brother Henry because he picked Hen- out. Oh, Henry, yeah, Henry, Henry, right now, you know, I have more points available, but he's in first place. He has really dominated this rack, this bracket so far. So shout out to Henry. He is in somewhat of the driver's seat, but Jamari still has more points available than him. Our mother, she's in the mix. Our dad's not doing so hot right now. I don't know what happened. He has a lot of points, but they don't got a lot of points left. I guess oh he had Auburn winning the championship, so that's 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 what happened there. And then Baylor lost. Yeah, he has one Final Four team, so that's 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 why that's not gonna happen. So. So yeah, so yeah, so our dad is great first two rounds, but seems like that's not much more happening there. Uh, you know, yeah, you're kind of toast too. And oh yeah, I, you know, and our uncle Daryl, he's in the mix. He had a really bad second round, like I did, but I think he still has his now champion in uh, in effect. Yes, he picked Kansas as well. So there's two people that picked Kansas. Yeah. Um. So so we'll see. We'll see how, how the rest of this thing shakes out. We'll update you guys in the bracket. And next week, we'll certainly talk more about college basketball because we'll have a Final Four and we'll do the show early enough so that we won't be up against the games. But hope you guys enjoyed the game this past weekend. There were a lot of fun games. Um, if you guys did not already, check out our YouTube channel. Me and Kendall did a live stream yesterday doing our stock report on the NBA prospects from this NCAA tournament from the first two, first two games, the first weekend. So that's on our YouTube channel, Generation Media. Check us out. Of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, um, make sure you check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, New Generation Media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find Kendall on Twitter, New Gen Ken. Shamari, who you heard earlier talking football with us, you can find him on uh, Instagram and Snapchat, MCShan22. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys again for checking this out. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. 